Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back, Chooms, to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty. Hello. Hello. Thanks for startling the crap out of me earlier today. I needed that. Get my heart running. Good. Good. Do we have angry Toasty here tonight? No. <laughs> I was like, that was an emotion. Where did that come from? No, it wasn't. It was fake. Okay. okay. Like all of my emotions. Oh, except not really. I think this playthrough of Phantom Liberty has shown that Toasty does have real human emotions. It's just they are generally aimed towards video game characters. Oh, real people suck. No. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. So, we have wrapped up, officially wrapped up your playthrough of the main storyline in Phantom Liberty. But there are a few side quests and gigs and jobs that we really need to talk about. They are completely optional, but... A few of these, especially the first one that we're going to talk about, feels so integral to the storyline that I feel like it almost is main quest line. I think it might kind of be because uh, it's like included in the list of like the main quest line on like most like like walkthrough websites. Mm. <laughs> okay, of course, but- if Hanson dies, so I mean, yeah, well, I yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, this it's it only happens in case of certain circumstances, and then you also can just choose to not do it. Um, That's true. And continue the storyline. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, Jay Z featuring Rihanna and Kanye West. This song is a classic. I love it. It is "Run This Town." Yeah, so this quest um, starts as a couple of them do. Uh, we get a call from uh, Senior Hands, uh, and we have to go uh, meet up with him. He wants to talk to us personally. He doesn't want to just hand it off over the phone. <clears throat> so we go over to the, I can't remember the name of that damn place, the really nice bar, um, the Pyramid, um, uh, and... Black can- the black heart, something, something heart. <laughs> it sounds right, but I can't remember. Uh, it's the pyramid one, uh, easy to spot. Uh, but we go over there, um, talk to him, and he gives us a job. 
um, where we are to impersonate uh, the Cuban assassin uh, Aguilar uh, in order to help decide who the next leader of Dogtown will be. Mm-hmm. And it is heavy hearts. That's heavy hearts. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit about this Cuban assassin. Um, Aguilar Nubiola, uh, the name of this assassin for hire who works for the Cuban cartel, has become synonymous with bad news. It is said that every time someone in Havana lights a cigar, Aguilar extinguishes a life somewhere around the globe, all to secure the interests of her employers. One of her employers being Hanson. Um, she was on his payroll. Or, sorry, I'll say she. They were on uh, his payroll because the gender does differ depending on uh, whether you're male or female. V. <clears throat> um, in the criminal underworld, she has developed the reputation of the ultimate assassin. Ruthless, incorruptible, and brutally efficient. Not to mention scary. Uh, very scary. <laughs> Um, yes. Even her, like, the, the voice is, like, terrifying. Um, sometimes she also acts as a negotiator. Hey, it says she. I guess canonical is she. Um, <laughs> where even her mere presence can cool heated disputes. But should the one-woman diplomatic core routine fail, bodies will begin to drop as many as necessary. Her legend has grown to the point that some Valentinos scare their misbehaving children with the warning, if you don't quiet yourself, Aguilar will. Don't tell that to your children, please. <laughs> like, it's bad enough that we do like scary monsters to get our children to behave. Let's not talk to them in, about an actual assassin because she's real. <laughs> Yes. Um, I mean, the boogeyman or the monster under the bed, the scary thing that will come out of the closet. Yeah, those are all like the fun little fairy tale versions. But this is also cyberpunk. Do you really think that a, a cyberpunk child is going to believe in a monster under a bed? Or are they going to believe in an actual real world assassin? Yeah, it's just... Please don't do that. Um, yeah, no. But anyways, even if you only believe a fraction of the urban legends tied to her, the infamous assassin would still have dozens of high-profile victims to her name. Uh, whether you're a gang leader, police commissioner, corp exec, or politician, when you hear the name Aguilar, you run, you hide, and you pray for mercy. Uh, and that is specifically her little database entry from, uh, from Cyberpunk 2077. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. Yeah, Aguilar's a badass in no matter what is going on. I really, really like the whole character development that we get from Aguilar and everything that we get to learn. And it's such a little snippet, but I feel like I know them. Uh, and then, of course, me playing as my male V, I got to dress up in the suit. I felt like a badass. It was good liked it yeah so i mean the suit i think is the same across both uh i'm assuming that the only variation in appearance really is like the face because i mean 
you're wearing like the whole like three piece suit with the pinstripe jacket, the gloves, the hat. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no. And the whole, like I mentioned the voice, uh, the way like they talk, I don't, I don't know what the male one sounds like, but for the female one, it is like, it is like, like a deeper, like a deeper voice, but like, there's like this weird, like, like maybe she has like an implant or something where it like it creates this like double sound that's a bit more like robotic with it. Hmm. I didn't get that so much with male V. It sounded like male V trying to do, I mean, doing quite well at a Hispanic Spanish type accent. I wonder, I think that they, I mean, I don't know. It may have been still been Sharami Lee, but like, I don't think it was her for the for 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 female uh, Aguilar because the voice was very different. And like, I've heard I've heard Sharami Lee do a deep voice. It still sounds like her. <laughs> I'm looking this up now because, uh, no, that's. Apparently, the voice actor for David Martinez is named Zach Aguilar, so that doesn't help. Uh, I'll go on YouTube. Hey. Oh, Alejandro Saab is the male voice actor. It doesn't have a. So I guess this Alejandro was attempting to do his voice as like speaking as male V, like using his trying to sound like him because to me it sounded like v trying to do a different voice um but i'm not seeing okay i'm hearing that i want to let me see if i can hear the other one to have my back can you hear all they want in exchange is access to our smuggling routes no what they seek is control of your smuggling routes only a fool would think otherwise Hmm. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's a little like it's a little like weird, right? Like, yeah, I don't know if that's her or not. It's definitely not. I, I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, but like, it's just the way it is. Is like it's kind of like it's real like low and eerie, and it like there seems like a weird like effect to it. I'm hearing it, and I don't hear it as much now. But it's just I don't know. Maybe my first like going through it, I was like, this sounds eerie as hell. <laughs> Yeah, for the female version. Wow, somebody even asked on Reddit three months ago and not a single response. Uh, it looks like there's a lot of people that are like not not correct at all. <laughs> somebody said they they think it was Matt Mercer, and I'm like, that's not fucking Matt Mercer for the man. There, <laughs> I heard it, bro. <laughs> not <laughs> the fuck. No, no, that is not Matt Mercer. So yeah, it's very interesting. And especially a lot of these characters, we don't know who the actual voice actor is because the IMDb pages aren't fully updated. They never really are for video games either, unless you're you're a main character. But we've yeah. talked about Aguilar quite a bit. Why are we talking about Aguilar? Uh, so uh, essentially, yeah, we... Like Mr. Hands has tasked us, we have to pretend to be them um, by using our fancy face technologies. Um, 
in order to impersonate them and use the fear that they have uh, instilled within Hanson's network to uh, put in order to put Lieutenant Colonel Bennett in charge of everything because he and another um, one of Hanson's higher ups, Yago, is uh, are kind of both vying for power. Uh, so first thing we got to do is go meet up with Yago, um, uh, who is supposed to be having a meeting with some voodoo boys. Um, we tell the voodoo boys to essentially fuck off. You can either kill them or like scare them. I just scared them um, <clears throat> in order to get them the fuck out of there. And then you wait for Yago. Um, and basically uh, you get a lot of information about like how Bennett's kind of fucking things over. Um, you're going to have a choice in the end of this on like who actually gets put in charge. Um, you're kind of just getting to hear both sides of the story. Um, so after we meet up with Yago, um, it's time to go meet up with Bennett, which is apparently optional. I didn't know that. Um, apparently meeting up and threatening him in his car is an optional thing. Um, but anyways, we go to where he's at. He's in like a meeting inside or something. <laughs> we take out his driver, put the driver's body in the trunk and then sit in the driver's seat, <laughs> which is already terrifying as hell <laughs> like, right you like, take out the bodyguard and then you're just waiting you're waiting yeah um so you wait for bennett um he eventually gets in and and i will state also you get to do all of the really fucking fun lines like there's like super specific like lines that are like like the uh uh the every time uh do you know what happens every time a uh, someone lights a cigar in uh, the Havana or whatever, and it's like it's supposed to be like a tagline. I picked mm -hmm. every one of these because it's just it's so good. Um, it really gets into the like the ominous assassin vibe. Um, but basically, we can threaten them uh, and tell him to. I'm trying to remember the specifics. I can't remember the specifics of what he was doing. I think he was trying to sell out to Arasaka. Yeah, if I remember correctly, and basically. You tell him, like, hey, don't fucking do that. Um, I guess you can tell him it's fine, but, like, it's Arasaka, so, I mean, I assume the natural response would be for everyone to be like, hey, fuck off. Right. Don't do this. Um, so, I, of course, told him, like, yeah, you're not going to sell it to Arasaka. Um, you're going to tell him to fuck off, and uh, I'll make sure you get put in charge. Um, and you can call, you call Mr. Hands, I Thing to give him the update uh, and then you head over to the Black Sapphire um, and settle the disagreement uh, for certain. Um, so yeah, you can put Yago in charge if you like. I guess if uh, Bennett's choices have made you uh, I guess really reticent to put him in charge. Um, I don't know what Mr. Hand's reaction is to that though. I've only done this quest one time. Um, but I really like Mr. Hands, so I kind of tried to do the quests the way that he uh, wanted them to be done because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to keep a good relationship. So um, I think this I is the first time that you and I have done the same thing on the f uh, the same thing on the first choice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, it was the first time for everything. Um, but yeah, we 
tell and this is this is a conversation happening over like hansen's casket which is funny as fuck um but you basically tell bennett like yeah you as long as you keep in line this way um you're good yago you're gonna fucking listen to him but like y'all are i told them to like kind of like work as a team not a like this is your boss like it was kind of like y'all need to fucking work together i'm like yeah uh, i think i went along that that line as well because i felt like having one person in power is never really the best option it should mm -hmm. be multiple voices and if i could promote that then i was going to no so essentially we uh i think they actually um if you do it a certain way i think uh like you can you either have to like kill yago like i think you just like put them down i think if you try to pick yago i think you have to put bennett down um but you can just kind of flex your terrifying nature as uh aguilar to just be like yeah no nah, y'all are both gonna shut the fuck up and listen to me right now <laughs> this is the way it's gonna go don't make me come back to town <laughs> essentially yeah. and they are both terrifying and then you leave and that is that quest for the most part um very fun very cool playing the uh cuban cartel assassin all right so after we have decided who the new leader of dogtown will be and we have resolved the issues there hopefully mr hands can really keep a grip on these boys and make them run Dogtown a little bit smoother. Uh, we will move on to our next gig that we need to talk about. Shot by both sides. This is a weird one. Uh, the name of this job comes from the song Shot by Both Sides by the English post-punk band Magazine. I, I don't think I've ever heard of them. I don't think so either. But hey, we've heard of them now. Um, but yeah, so and this one, uh, typically speaking, probably wouldn't be that crazy of a gig. I mean, all of the gigs and side quests in Phantom Liberty were pretty fucking good. But it is the info we get through this gig that really uh, like ties it into the overall story. Mm -hmm. um, so we are tasked again by mr hands as all these all these gigs for mr hands um to help out a reporter uh named brie i guess you would say media because that is this is cyberpunk and they are medias um uh and so we head on over to her apartment um we have to retrieve a thing uh and we make it into her apartment, uh, and in the bamboo plant, there she has she was hiding an access card, um, and then we try to leave, and we are actually uh, confronted by her neighbor who thought it was a little weird that you were uh, messing around in Bree's apartment, and you're just like, oh, you know, I'm just getting something for her, like don't worry about it. Um, seems pretty uh seems pretty nondescript but you know we'll see <laughs> yeah i was like i also think that you're kind of weird that you're just a random supportive neighbor in night city hey yeah. you know, there's 
some good people. This ain't one of them, but you know. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, we let uh, Mr. Hands know that we got the access card, um, and he gives us coordinates to meet up with Bree, who's actually hiding down near where we snuck into Dogtown in the first place. How we got like the, I think we came through these tunnels with President Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to get up here, so that's pretty cool. Um, you can basically there's this little crevice that you can get into, um, and Bree reveals herself, um, like threatening you with a gun. I like how this is a lot of like there's some real cocky V energy <laughs> in this interaction because V's just like, you're not gonna use that. <laughs> it's just like, all right, cool, you know, I'm glad you're uh, <laughs> so uh. Cavalier with this. I was trying to think of the word. I was, yeah, that's the word I was thinking of. <laughs> Cavalier is a good word and it totally fits in this moment. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, she does, in fact, put down the gun. I think there's a the line that's like, do you even click the safety off? And she checks it and she didn't, which is God. funny as hell. <laughs> do not pull a weapon if you are not prepared to use it. Like, know your shit. Yes. Also, uh, big note for media. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna really make a good point of showing someone's like, like lack of experience with a gun without saying that they have no experience in gun in words, like just showing them on screen or whatever, just have them have their finger on the trigger. Because because proper gun discipline is not to put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to fire it. Mm-hmm. Um, I always get so upset about that in like shows and whatnot. Whenever people have their fingers on the trigger, and I'm just like, take your fucking finger off the trigger. Right? It's trigger discipline, people. Fucking don't do it. Oi. Okay. Yeah. No. We- but then it also does feel super good in shows whenever they like don't have their finger on the trigger right away until they're ready to shoot it. I'm just like, yes, that is right. <laughs> There is something so, it is way more intense to watch, and especially if they do like a close-up on it, like you're holding it, and then all of a sudden you see the finger move down to the trigger, you like, oh shit, just got real. Yeah, yeah. I've been, I'm, I'm watching through The Walking Dead. We get a lot of instances of both of these things, mm. um, which is actually really good because it shows a lot of the people that don't know how to use guns which is kind of a big point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, off of trigger discipline, but Hey, uh, I didn't actually pay attention to her finger in this scene, but I feel like she probably had it on the trigger. If I had to guess, um, probably I'm, I'm also wondering if that's like an animation thing. Like it's easier to have fingers on triggers in games. I mean, you get an animation of her clicking the safety off after you yeah. note and fire. So I think I think they, they're fine enough. <clears throat> Maybe if it was like a smaller game, probably. Um, but anyways, um, she needs to get into this like secret bunker thing that is down here through this crack. Um, so we're going to go ahead and help her out. That's what she needs the access card for in order to get into this. Um, and we kind of just have to traverse these, this like, uh, like, abandoned bunker there's like a lot of turrets and a lot of mines just a bunch of defenses 
that we have to like navigate through uh, until we make it to this like computer room, essentially, uh, after deactivating all the defenses. Uh, and you watch a few like video logs about uh, just, just this random dude talking about like this specific task that he has been assigned um, to do in this bunker. And they kind of get a little bit more stressed with each one. The last one being like talking about how there's been this individual who uh, has been in the chair for like over two days or something at this point. Um, but the implication being like the net running chair. And they were specifically talking about using like AI for cyberware. Um, and it actually comes out that this is like the Sinusure stuff that we run into later. Hmm. Here we go. Yeah. This is the key information here. We get to learn about Sinusure before we even come across it um, in the quote, quote, main storyline. Yeah, uh, because this gig does take place in the second round of gigs because what basically once we get up and get through like the main uh, the main like starting quests, we get a selection of gigs offered to us by Mr. Hands we can do, but mm-hmm. there's like three distinct separate like portions of like where we're dished out gigs that we can do throughout the main story. So, uh, but anyways, uh, we do this. Uh, she starts kind of like getting this like data downloaded. Uh, and then the nosy neighbor walks in. Um, yeah, guess he wasn't just a neighbor. Uh, turns out he's working for Militech. Uh, and apparently Bree also used to work for Militech, um, doing like propaganda pieces for them, uh, until I guess she decided to see the light. Um, and Basically, they are both trying to pit you against the other person for a solid amount of time. Uh, I end up, I ended up killing Dante. Um, that is his name, um, because, well, I mean, he's he's the fucking he's the fucking corpo dude. Of course, I'm going to kill him. Right. <laughs> on, my yeah. no, on my nomad playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> uh- Surprisingly, same thing. I sided with Bree and killed Dante because nosy neighbor dude threw up some red flags for me when I first met him. And I was like, ew, I don't like you. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was like just kind of like trying to like paint her in a bad light. And it seemed for the most part, like the actual genuine fear that she had and like worry, um, like it seems like basically she used to do stuff for money and then kind of had to change a heart. And it's like, yeah, no, that's, that makes a lot of sense. I can believe that she's trying to air out some of Militech's dirty laundry. Like, yeah, it just seems like maybe you had a rough time at first, but now you're trying to do the right thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, it seems pretty apparent who the, uh, bad guy is. Um, but regardless of the fact, even if it was a bit more, uh, like blurry and hard to tell who he's Corpo and <laughs> in this playthrough specifically, I don't know, fuck Corpos. Uh, so yeah, I'm assuming that even though you're, you were playing Corpo V, um, you have that soft spot in your heart for medias, Jen. 
Exactly. Very much yeah. so. Yes. But anyways, uh, we actually do have some specific. You do have to uh, kill whoever it is. Um, you have to make a decision and kill the other person. Or I guess let the other. Or in the case of Bree, I think you can just let her be killed. Um, but uh, if Dante is killed, you can loot his iconic revolver, all reliable. Uh, after the conversation with Bree Whitney, you can pick up her iconic power pistol, risk it from the boxes on the right side of the room. When you call hands, you will receive 5,000 eddies for completing the original contract. However, hands will call you. Oh, actually, fuck. Uh, my bad. Uh, I forgot about this. Uh, hands will call you about a day later, revealing that Bree was working with Netwatch and sold them the data solely for her personal gain. After another few days pass, a Netwatch hit squad of several agents will randomly appear on the streets and attack you. Um, if you side with Dante um, and Bree's killed, uh, you can loot risk it. Uh, Dante will then share a shard retrieved from Bree's body. It is revealed that she's working for Netwatch and was uh, acting for personal gain, facilitating the hit that killed the scientist uh, Miara's you talk to Dante afterwards, he will give you a 5080 reward. Hands will be displeased by this deviation from the contract. Um, or you can just kill both of them. Um, if you kill whoever survives the standoff, you can acquire database Sinashore Site D in addition to both Risk It and Old Reliable. Hands will be displeased when you call, although he will be satisfied if you mention the database shard. You can then send this to him at a drop point. And he will later reward you another five thousand eddies. Johnny will be disappointed of this choice. <laughs> of course, Johnny would be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Also, I didn't know that you could end up killing both of them. That just seems wrong. Like, I mean, I kind of. It makes sense if you don't trust either of them. But like, you know, if if if, if both of them give you red flags, which you know, I guess I can see that from a point. I. May not have picked them, but you know, maybe I'm not. Uh, oh well. Um, but obviously, neither of them are good. They're both corpos at this point. So, yeah. Also, I can't remember if I fought this Netwatch hit squad. I probably did, but uh, they probably just didn't register as a threat to me because you know, sand devastant throwing knife combo and. Uh, so I totally did. Um, I remember it because there's another one there. It, I feel like there's it's like a secondary quest where she calls you later and uh, is like hey can you come meet me and it ends up being the hit squad um i also feel like they are one of the random encounters you can have because uh i remember a car running up on me and saying that's the fucker who was working with Bree Whitney, and then they tried to kill me. Mm. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that was happening. I played so many hours of Phantom Liberty uh, in a very erratic order, and I can't remember all of it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's definitely, and, it, and then like I think it was the two point one patch where. Um, the random events and the Brie Whitney one popped for me. So it was like, it, it wasn't even there in the beginning. I didn't remember who she was. I had to look her back up going, who's Brie and why are these people trying to kill me? Oh yeah, that's why. 
Yeah, I barely got any some liberty time in before 2.1. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it for that quest. And I think this is a good little spot for us to take our mid break. Let's listen to some sponsors of the show and thank our patrons. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about the show and not the lore of cyberpunk. We don't have any new patrons to shout out. We don't have any new reviews. So that kind of makes me sad this guy this week, guys. Drop us a rating. Drop us a review. Leave us some kind words somewhere on the internet. I'd appreciate. We have been having a lot of different discussions on the Robots Radio Discord, though. Um, and those have been great. Uh, some of them not having anything to do with cyberpunk, though. But hey, I think the know, last major conversation we had was about toast. Not me, toast. Actual toast. <laughs> actual, actual literal toast and butter recipes and whether or not we like raisins. I mean, it gets weird. And that's kind of how we like it. So if those are the type of random conversations you want to join, robotsradio.net is a great place to look up on how to join the Discord. Or, of course, if the link should be in the description of this episode as well. Let's get back into it then. All right, Toasty. Are you ready to go balls to the wall? I mean, I guess. <laughs> we got to do it for the show, right? <laughs> Do you know where the phrase balls to the walls comes from? Uh, Trains. What? Trains. Like actual locomotive trains. Uh, When there were ball bearings inside of the steam engine and when the steam and the motion got high enough, the balls would lift up and it would be to the walls of the cylinder. And that meant that there was enough steam locomotion in order to make the train go. So going balls to the wall means that uh, there's enough energy in order to make the thing go. It is actually truly benign and like has nothing to do with testicles. The more you know. All right. Um, but this quest in particular is named after the song Balls to the Wall uh, from the album of the same name by the German metal band Accept. But yeah. Uh, so this one's a f- interesting one. Uh, you wanna you wanna kick us off here, June? Yeah. So the marker for this side job is found by bar by a bar heist garrison in front of the Black Sapphire Hotel in Dogtown. We know this place very very well. Mm-hmm. We will, be- but maybe by the time you do this quest, you might not know it as well because I did this pretty early. Oh. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Come to think of it. 
Oh, V will be called out by a recruit named Paco Torres, who is currently drinking his problems away alongside his companion, Babs Okoye. V can hear him out, and after introductions, Paco will share his story of an op led by Kurt Hansen himself that went wrong. Yeah, I I can never take the name Paco seriously, unfortunately. Can't um, either. Paco and Babs. I mean, come on. I have I have a great tangent story based off of that, but uh, let's keep it on track. <laughs> let's go balls to the wall. Keep it on the train track. Uh, hey, that's what you call a callback. Um, so at one point, Paco will offer to take V on a quote, deep dive or using drugs to make Paco's story more vivid. Uh, if V accepts, they will inhale the drugs and the viewpoint will then shift from V into Kurt Hansen. As yeah. Kurt Hansen, you talk to Yuri Bichkov. Bichkov? <laughs> I was going to say Bichkov. Uh, uh, then yeah, that's fair. Um, then go down to, into the lobby where Paco is standing. You talk to Paco at, uh, to initiate a fist fight with the goal being to defeat Paco, which isn't very hard. Um, once Paco is defeated, Hanson will assign Paco to convoy duty and the game transitions back to V's viewpoint. And here we go. The reason that we wanted to talk about the Paco quest. Because we see this in the trailer. And we were like, wait, but this, the, the writing is the blue and yellow. It's like we're Johnny. And so are we Kurt Hansen? Why are we playing? What? We were so confused by that mm -hmm. until finally we got here and we were able to understand. Yeah. I was assuming there was going to be some sort of like like going into a mission like because we knew we had the face technology i was like do we pick on like do we like kidnap hansen like kill him secretly take over like mm -hmm. i don't know but no it's just a drug-induced trip yep yep we thought it was the face changer i thought that maybe we were like reliving a memory maybe johnny knew kurt from before in their military days I, I had no idea. But here we go. It's drugs. Mm -hmm. Yay. Now, uh, when we transition back to our viewpoint, Paco will confess that he has been skimming cargo from the convoy. Little fucknut. V is then asked to take another deep dive, which transitions them back to Hansen's viewpoint. This time, Hansen will be a passenger in a truck driven by Paco moments before they are jumped by scavs in vehicles. A gunfight will ensue in which Hansen must defeat any pursuing vehicles using his bald Eagle revolver. The truck is stopped by scavengers manning a barricade and Hansen will then disembark to fight them. Hansen only has his revolver and his fang knife to defeat the scavengers with though they were accompanied by, by some Barkai soldiers that supported them. After defeating all the scavs, Hansen approached one of the wounded scavs being tended, tended to by Yuri. 
This is actually kind of a hard fight. I don't know what determines the stats, but like I think it was mine, and I had just like failed to really up any, like really do anything for my cyborg at this point. Uh, so like I was really squishy whenever uh Hansen gets out of the car. Um but you know it, it was a couple tries and it ended up working out. But I just remember like I think the first time I basically stepped out of the car and died immediately and I was just like, What the fuck? Oh man, to die during a drug trip, do you die in real life? Yes, because it like fails the quest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so. Um, but the, vo- the viewpoint will transition back to V, and Paco will reveal the gist of the story. The convoy was carrying generators, which Paco stole before selling them for cash. And now Paco and Babs want to ask V for advice on what to do. V can offer to tell them to either frame Yuri for the crime, leave Dogtown immediately, or have V call some friends for help. Uh, requiring that certain side jobs have been completed beforehand. All right. So we have the three options here that we're going to go through. Um, I'm curious as to which one you did. Or should we go through the three first and then? We'll, we'll go through them and you'll find out. All right. Now, if V tells them to frame Yuri, Paco and Babs will agree with V's plan and give B both of their contact info. After which V, Paco, and Babs will agree to meet by the underpass beneath the needle the following day. Either go to the meeting site and sit on the marked location to fast forward for 24 hours or just wait 24 hours in-game doing other missions and whatnot. V will be met by Yuri, who then proceeds to open fire. Defeating Yuri will allow his body to be looted for Tier 5 weapons and get a message shared between him and Hansen that tells Yuri to hang Paco's body under the needle. Go to the designated point, where V can find Paco's body hanging from the ceiling, at which point V can message Babs to check in on her. Messaging Babs will reveal that she called in a favor escaped Dogtown by flying to Kenya. Hey, they got a pretty cool space nation over there, so probably pretty alright. Now, V tells them to leave Dogtown, Babs will offer to stay behind in Dogtown to reduce suspicion on them both. After adding Paco and Babs into the contact list, V must follow Paco to the latter's car, where V can then ask him to get in the trunk drive the car to the marked location by the Grand Imperial Mall, then open up the trunk to let him out, after which he will then ask V to wait for two days. After 48 hours, a message from Paco will ask for a meeting by the afterlife. He will be waiting outside near the afterlife fast travel point and will then tell V that he's giving them his assault rifle as a gift and that he has joined the scavs. Don't like that. Uh, After arguing with Paco about their choice, V can then loot the Carmen DA-8 Umbra from the chair it's laying on. All right. If V calls their friends for favors, V will offer to contact one of their friends to help smuggle Paco and Babs out of Dogtown. The available contacts that can be called depends on the character-related side jobs that V has completed beforehand. So you can call River, Pan Am, or Rogue to help out, and V can then message them about the situation. 
regardless of which contact is chosen, waiting 24 hours, Paco will message V that they've been successfully smuggled out of Dogtown and plan to escape Night City for good. As a reward, they will leave a crate in their tent in the Barkheist garrison and on the chair where Paco is sitting, containing the same gun, a skill shard for Solo, and 8,000 eddies. So that one kind of seems to be the best option for Paco. Uh, Paco and Babs. I don't know what happens to Babs on the second one. I guess she just stays behind. Um, nothing happens to her. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what did you pick, Jen? The worst option. I. No, it's okay. If it makes you feel better, I did too. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, frame the bad guy. Let's get him out of the way. Um, yeah, I was like, let's usurp Hanson by like taking out like his lieutenant or something. Doesn't that was work. my exact thought process. Doesn't work. I know that now. Yeah, and it's not. They will also. I'll just stay for the record. It says that his body's hanging. Uh, that's not descriptive enough. His decapitated body is hanging upside down from the ceiling. Yeah, it's rough out here. And it I stays guess, up there for the whole game. By the way. Yeah, yeah, it does. I guess regardless, Babs does all right. Yeah. Like either flies to Kenya to like escape uh stays behind and I guess does fine or gets out safely like I was regardless Mabs is fine yep but yeah no that was it's it it's a fun little quest with the whole like drug thing and like the experience of like seeing through like Hanson and whatnot is it was very interesting um but also, no, I enjoyed it a lot. I did too. It was it was interesting to play a completely different play style, different fighting style um, for at least a few minutes. Um, seeing parts of Dogtown that we ha- that I hadn't seen at that point yet, especially in like Hanson's back hallways and whatnot. Um, also, I, I'm kind of weirded out about this third option though. Calling Pan Am for a smuggling job, duh. She's the nomad. She's got people who can move people. Even calling Rogue, one of the best fixers in all of Night City. She's got contacts in Dogtown, guaranteed. Why the fuck is River on this list? I don't know, bro. I don't know. I wouldn't call him anyways. Unless funny. this is the the one of the openings to like the dirty cop lines. You know? You start Maybe? smuggling I people. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know why rivers here. I'll also state like part of the charm about this this quest line specifically is that Paco has one of the most ridiculous like Mexican accents, and he's like super extravagant in his like vocabulary as he's talking. That's where most of the enjoyment from this quest is because he's fucking crazy. <laughs> and his voice his voice the voice actor just like was they were just like hey have some fucking fun and he did. He really did. It do you was wanna, so funny to me. Do you want to pull up an example? 
Keep listening, V. What this Gonkast did next is a story I've been waiting for. Okay, so listen. Before we left, Yuri gave me a list. No power generators there. I look into the truck, and what's there? Generators. Yeah, Yuri probably grabbed some on the side. Wanted to hawk him off for a quick eddy after the scav shit show. And this dumbass thought if he snatched and sold him, he'd be set for a year. They're checking to see if he's cool. He straight up robs him. Only idiots say no to opportunity, Babs. Sheesh. <laughs> In what world did that seem like a good idea? There's more, V. See, my little gauntlet here sold them to a dude in India. Probably on the way there. Oh, they're gonna kill him, right? Fuck. And me in the bargain? Come on, I see you thinking good. Can you help, sister? <laughs> I think it's enough. <laughs> it's just gross. <laughs> I love that gauntlet. Wait, hold, we need to talk about gauntlet for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If they, I don't know if they have like a relationship, but it's just—it's just the fucking voice is so like goofy, bro. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> so that's it for that quest. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of the other like really big side mission, in um. In Phantom Liberty, um, but Jin and I thought we'd just highlight a couple other gigs that we really liked, um, excluding ones we've said in the past um, that I may or may not have forgotten that we said in the past. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so uh, we have Talent Academy and Dogtown Saints. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about this one in the past um, when I was talking specifically about a bitch I hate. Um, uh, but anyways, this one is a gig where we get hired by Mr. Hens to infiltrate an underground sports academy. Um, essentially, um, we meet up with a dude who gives us um, our cover story. We are, uh, I don't know. I think it was like San Francisco. It was either San Francisco or San Diego, but I think the San Diego shredders is a thing. And I don't think that that was us. Um, but anyways, we're recruiting for that. Um, we make our way in um, to this like kind of underground like facility. Um, and you can kind of look around and see there's like kids, like, like basically like being shown off in like these little like glass tubes all over the place. Um, and whatnot. <clears throat> uh, and we sit down for a drink at the bar uh, where we get fucking interrogated by some random ass dude for no fucking reason who starts to pick up on the fact that we're not actually who we say we are because dude doesn't know how to mind his own fucking business. Like, seriously, fuck off. Why are you here? Um, whatever. It's annoying. Um, apparently, I think there is like a particular like option that like if he like you certain dialogue options here. I think like you, he can get too worked up and like the guards will come over and like detain you. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't get that, but, uh, mm -hmm. did you get that? Mm -hmm. Oh shit. Okay. Mm -hmm. You want to enlighten us on that? 
Well, apparently I got things pretty wrong and dude started arguing with me. So I got escorted away. Like he yells, this, uh, this guy's not who he says he is. And I got escorted away by security to the room where like you got to place your hand on the scanner and be guarded to the back room. No, I got my ass fully escorted there. Fair enough. Um, but for me, I was doing it. I guess I did say all of the right things. Um, uh, he does start, he does still start to get a little like antsy. Like he doesn't like believe us, but, um, the bartender kind of, I think is mediating a bit. Um, and then eventually one of the athletes who's in the tube kicks a soccer ball hard enough that it breaks the glass. Um, which is apparently supposed to be tempered glass and impossible to break in such a way. Um, but she does it anyways. Uh, so they have to kind of like get security uh, to like check it out and make sure everything is safe, giving us the perfect opportunity to sneak our way in. Um, so regardless of whether you sneak in or you get escorted in and I guess have to take care of the guards who detain you, mm -hmm. um, you work your way through this facility, get through it. Eventually you will make it to an office, uh, where there is probably the most heartfelt fucking, uh, moment in all of cyberpunk ever. Um, oh, before you get to your most heartfelt moment, I think I'm going to take it down a trash minute for just a second because one yeah, of my favorite Johnny lines, I got the screenshot of it. Um, we, when you first walk in and you're talking to the receptionist, Johnny pops up and says, well, then I have my first mission for you. Need you to neutralize three shots of tequila stat. I remember that. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Johnny likes Johnny tequila. Loves his tequila. Uh, and now um, we can go to our sweet moment with the kid. Yeah. So um, we make it into this office uh, and we meet Tommy, who is this little boy who's trying to break into the drawers of the desk um, to apparently find his file and know if he's made it onto a team yet. Um, you can kind of have a talk with them um, because he's feeling pretty down um, and like v, like straight up V like sits next to him uh, and like talks with him, which I think actually like makes that one lady come into the room. If you actually have this conversation with them, mm -hmm. um, otherwise you can actually go in there to like talk to her and her like fucking nice lounge area or whatever. Um, uh, but he talks about how he's, and he's gotta be like, what, like 10? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, he says that he's worried because he's getting too old. Um, and like, he's starting to get to the point where none, no team will pick him uh, if they don't pick him now. Uh, and he has to get on a team because his dad says this is how he will take care of his family. Yeah. Which is a lot of responsibility to put on a fucking 10 year old, bro. What the fuck? Um, and can we just state for the record, uh, we find out like during this thing, like this, these aren't just like kids being like trained or whatever. Like they are, they are putting cyberware into these children, um, mm -hmm. and putting them through like intense, like training and whatnot to make them the best 
child athletes possible. And they're ranging from like ages like eight to like 12, 14, probably at the most. Like it's, it's fucking, it's dark. Um, <clears throat> uh, but he seems like he just wants to be a kid, have some fun. Um, and V can kind of like comfort him a bit um, about that. Like, you know, saying like, uh, how he's like a good kid. Like, it's really like, it's just really nice. It's just a really nice fucking like conversation. Um, and eventually at the end of it, um, you can ask him where Miss Fiona's computer is. Um, and he's like straight up like, it's right there, silly. Like, it's like, it's like super sweet. Um, and so you can go over there. You tell him to like kind of run along um, while you start to download the information with the computer. He's needs to find something um, still um, from the drawer. Uh, Fiona walks in from her little lounge um, and like Tommy thinks he's in trouble. You kind of like, Hey, like, Hey buddy, you should probably run along. You don't want to be here for this. Um, uh, and you pretty much tell Fiona like, Hey, I want all of the, I want the list of every one of your clients and their information, how much they've invested or whatever. Um, Fiona tries to cut you a deal to like get you to like leave it alone. Um, and you can, I guess either take the deal or you can, you know, do what Mr. Hands wants you to do, which is to get the information and turn it over to him. Um, mm -hmm. or you can kill her because she sucks. Um, which, you know, you'll still get the information, but, um, it feels real nice to kill her. I'll say that much. <clears throat> yep. Uh, but unfortunately, this quest has some pretty shitty results if you do. So if you give hands the info, um, the release of he releases that um, into like the right avenues for people to find out about them. And it ends up shutting down the facility and putting all of those kids on the streets of Dogtown. Yeah. Which is really rough um if you take fiona's deal it keeps the facility going um obviously upsets mr hands um but the kids at least have a safe place safe ish place to stay and resources um and whatnot uh which feels really shitty it does I don't like this one because there's no good outcome. It is cyberpunk. Yeah, this one, this one, it sucks. This one's real hard. Um, yeah, I don't like that bitch. I don't like her. Yeah. I hate her. That's what I'm saying. It feels real good to kill her. Uh, but there is a happy-ish enough ending for Tommy. Which is so you can actually find tommy after this is over and if you've had the um the place shut down so tommy's dad is the shop the clothing shop owner in the black market oh so if you go okay. back to the black market after you've done this tommy's just chilling with his dad he's sitting on the counter 
and he remembers you and it's like dad this is the this is the guy that helped me get out of there and then dad fucking hates you because uh you uh are the reason that neither of them are getting out of dogtown now yeah so at least but tommy's also, with his dad i mean like he, dad could just be like hey like can you get a set of dogtown and i'll be like i right, should get in my car <laughs> yeah <laughs> got you fam i like like if you need me to make an investment on tommy's behalf bro i got I got 2.5 million Eddie in the bank right now. <laughs> like straight up, I'll give you a donation to take care of this child right. um, and get you out of Dogtown. You know, I'll set you up. I'll buy you one of my apartments, bro. Right? Let's sublet. You can totally take over the lease from me. He doesn't even take over the lease, bro. I'll pay for it. I'll do shit. <laughs> I'll do it for Tommy. You can have my Japantown apartment. Yeah. Uh... No, I think Sorry, I Tommy. I like you, but I'm not giving you the Glen. Uh, no. That's my favorite one. But yeah. Um, yeah. But moving on to the last gig we are going to highlight. Um, and uh, basically the last gig and Phantom Liberty thing we are going to be talking about, at least for a while, um, is Dogtown Saints. But again... Another job uh, via Mr. Hands. We need to meet up with uh, a client of his, Odell Blanco, um, who is set up outside a church, is helping like random civilians, a lot of like uh, sick or injured patients. Um, you assume that he is the doctor. He is not the doctor. He is a spiritual advisor, which makes a lot of sense because he's a priest. Um, and you find out that the doc Anderson, uh, I believe his name is Anthony Anderson, but he is being held hostage inside the church. Not quite being held hostage, but he's inside the church, and there's a bunch of scabs also in the church, um, uh, including a one Nika Yankovic, um, who is specifically looking for her brother. Um, so we got to get in there uh, to save the doc uh, because these patients need his help. Um, we fight through a bunch of scavs, um, which fuck the scavs, kill all the scavs, um, until we come across the office where he is being held at gunpoint by uh, Nika. Um, and there's a couple options here uh, for how like this can go down. Um, you can try to talk her down and then like ultimately end up having to kill her if you don't say the right things uh, or if you like side with the doc uh, essentially in the dialogue options. Um, if you let the doc kind of fend for himself, you actually get him to finally like speak out on what, uh, because basically she was asking where her brother was and he was just not telling her anything. Um, so you eventually get him to open up on that. Um, apparently her brother came to him while he was in a drug induced coma, um, that had like fried his system so hard. They, he was pretty sure he wasn't going to come out of the coma ever. Uh, so instead of trying to keep him alive, he actually injected the brother with a morphine, like a lethal injection of morphine so that he could scrounge the brother's cyberware to use to help others um which is really shitty but 
I mean, there is some benefit in that, especially if like you knew that this dude was basically not going to wake up. Yeah, um, I mean, it's uh, like donating your organs if you're ever in a really bad car accident or something like that, you know? Uh, I'm an organ donor, so. Yeah, <clears throat> I am too. Um, take them if I am, can't use them anymore. And I figure this is the same, this is equivalent uh, it's just cyberware instead of organs, which I mean are practically part of your organs, anyways. Some cyberware they is organ. organs, exactly. So. Um, but yeah, he's dead. She's not very happy about that. Um, but you can essentially like convince him to tell her where her brother's at, and both of them will live uh, through the scenario. Um, you just you basically tell the doctor like hey like your boy's outside um with all the patients and he tells you to go let them know uh and you can as you're leaving you can see nika in the room with her like brother's dead body uh and you actually get johnny pops up uh like sitting on the tub in that room and tells you like he feels bad uh for both her and the doc, um, you know, obviously sad that she lost her brother, but he said, like, he says, like, what an impossible choice that is to make, mm -hmm. like, in that situation, like, to, like, have to take this, the life of this guy, but knowing that he could help several others uh, in the process. So, like, Johnny obviously has a lot of empathy for both situations, <laughs> um, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, you can try to comfort Nika. Uh, but ultimately she just kind of wants to be left alone. And later on, you can find her uh, on the Eastern edge of Dogtown at her brother's burial site um, where you basically say something like, you know, I don't think I, could, I don't normally uh, tend to my, my way of thinking doesn't tend to line up with scavs, but uh, you know, we can, you kind of call a truce. She says she's not going to go after you. And V's like, all right, well, I'll leave you alone. Uh, and I thought the, the line that Nika delivers, like as kind of the last one is I already am. Oh, she's kind of heartbreaking. Um, and fun fact, mm -hmm. this is Deborah wild. Uh, who is the voice of Lazelle in Baldur's gate who yep. plays, who does this character. And I gotta be honest. I re-listened to this whole thing today. I could not hear it except for like there was like a brief moment, like a brief moment where I kind of heard uh like her voice, but like otherwise, this like the accent and like the way she was delivering this, unrecognizable as Deborah Wilde to me. Yeah, like I had been on the lookout for her voice because I knew she was in the game and I was like wow, I really have no idea. I had to go back and look it up. And then I was like, I played that mission and I had no idea that was her. So I want yeah, Same thing. And I will say this specifically after playing Baldur's Gate 3 and hearing Lazelle talk millions of times, following Deborah Wild on TikTok, where I see a bunch of her TikToks frequently. Mm -hmm. So I know what her like actual voice sounds like. Um, I even watch her streams. Uh, so... <laughs> I straight up, there was like a moment during like her talking to the doctor where like I heard it just a little bit, just like a tiny bit. And I was like, 
okay, okay, kind of, but for the most part, it was like, yeah. and if, if I hadn't been looking for like her sounding like that, like herself, then I wouldn't have heard it for sure. Yeah. So, but it's cool. This was her character. It was a very interesting, neat little, like small, small character. So, yeah. So that's why I kind of had to put it in here. I felt like I needed it. And it's a cool quest line and it has a, I mean, you can also not side with, you know, you can, you can end up not getting peace between the two of them and then you have to kill her or kill the doctor or yeah. I don't, I don't know how, like, I mean, I guess you could just let her kill the doctor. I think hands would be probably super upset about that. Try not to like, let that happen. Yeah, I think I ended up killing her in my playthrough because I honestly didn't like. I just I just didn't pick the right thing because mm. I was trying because a lot of the things like talking to her is just trying to get her to like put the gun down and like like pre- trying to deescalate the situation. It just doesn't doesn't work because the doctor won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that I had to kill her too. <laughs> Yeah, he's like instigating her, and so it's like unless you like basically like tell him like you know you handle your own fucking problems, then like it just doesn't go well. But yeah, yeah. So these are definitely some interesting ones that we went through, and I know that there are a ton of gigs and side quests and missions and hands and everything that we would love to talk about all of them. But I think really now that we've gone through all of the main storyline. It's time for you, listener, to go out there and play it and talk about the different missions that you love. Um, Of course, we'll have our Patreon chat next week where I'm sure that we will still be talking about Phantom Liberty stuff because now that we've completed it, um, we can talk about anything that the patrons want to talk about next week. And if you want to join in on that conversation, you can visit patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast and join in on there. So that way you can join us with uh, at the end of every month to be on one of the shows. I don't think that I have anything else to wrap up for the end of the night. I've put all of my thoughts and feels and everything Phantom Liberty is out there. Yeah. Uh, And if you want to hear more from me, uh, I am co-host of the Two Girls, One Ship podcast, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. We are currently in our Baldur's Gate 3 season. Yep. Um, If you want to hear more from me, uh, you can check out the Witcher Lorecast or the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast, Cyberpunked. Um, or you can go listen to the recent episode of Two Girls, One Ship, where I talk about Shadowheart, um, because that's my favorite romance companion. Uh, yep. And at the end of every show, we shout out Miracle of Sound, thanking him for his music to be used. We use snips and clips from Neon Red. And while you're out there, stay safe in Dogtown. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ariel. And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda. From Errol to Zora, 
and all the fun things in between. If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcasts. We hope to see you soon.